Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church Podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages, dating back to late 2020. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on March 13th, 2022, during our Sunday evening service. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend, so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel has seen the future, and it is terrifying. Now, let me stop for a moment. I know I just told you to turn to Daniel chapter 9, but let's go to Daniel chapter 8 just for a second. And I want to remind you about this vision that he has had about the coming Antichrist and the terror that this man will be until Jesus Christ himself returns to slay the beast. But this vision that Daniel has in 8.26, the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days, Gabriel tells Daniel. And here's how Daniel responded initially to the vision, to these horrors that we see in Scripture and that Daniel saw, not just in the pages of Scripture, but in the visions that God had given to him that he recorded for us in Scripture. I, Daniel, fainted and was sick certain days. We've all had dreams where it just made us sick. Made us sick. And maybe you even had a dream that bothered you all day, right? Because of something your husband did in your dream. And you know, it's something he would do. And he was in trouble all day. I'm not speaking from personal experience. I'm just, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But this isn't just a bad dream that bothered him all day. This last, this terror, because he knew it wasn't just a dream. He saw, even though he knew how the story ends, Even though he knew that God is going to establish his kingdom on earth, he saw the hell on earth that is going to take place until that happens. And it sickened him. And he was distraught. And then finally he rose up and he did the king's business. But he continued to be astonished at the vision. And he tells us none understood it, meaning that he was going to, we we can presume that he was talking to Uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three Jewish friends who we knew he had a a close relationship, he knew, we know that he would go to them uh, to pray with them because he knew that they would pray with him and pray for him. And so no one understood this vision. Daniel didn't understand it, but it, it sickened him because of what he saw. There are things that we see going on in the world today that should sicken us even though we know what God is going to do in the end. We don't know how soon God is going to intervene. But it should sicken us when we see 
the wickedness, the rampant immorality, the rampant violence, the rampant uh, desire to control other people, it should sicken us because it is the spirit of Antichrist. Remember, Paul tells us that the mystery of lawlessness, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 that the spirit of Antichrist is already here. He's already working. So we are in the last days leading up to, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years, but don't, don't let that uh, lull you to sleep. Quite the opposite should happen. And so as we begin Daniel chapter 9, Daniel the prophet has seen these incredible visions. He records these visions later, of course, but he sees them uh, during the final days of Babylon. He has in his visions and also the interpretations of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he has seen the rise of Babylon, the fall of Babylon. Of course, as we've said before, he didn't need to be a prophet to see that because Jeremiah the prophet recorded that as well. But he's witnessed it. He's seen it in a visceral way. And now Babylon has fallen. And now he's in the reign of Middle Persia. But understand that he knows Middle Persia is going to fall as well because he's seen that too. And he's seen the rise of the one who will bring down Middle Persia, who we know we now know as Alexander the Great. And he's seen his fall, too. And he's seen the rise of the Antichrist, and he's seen his fall too. What does Daniel, though, ultimately do with his sickness of heart? What does he do with the grief and the confusion? Does he wallow in it? Does he rationalize it? Does he try to numb the pain? Listen to what Daniel does, chapter 9 in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day. To the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off, through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. 
the more things change, the more they stay the same. The world hasn't changed that much, has it, since the days of Daniel. Now, he's speaking of the nation of Israel. But again, not much has changed except for the date on the calendar. Because we see the same confusion of face in Israel today and in every Gentile nation on the face of the earth that Daniel was confessing before the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about responding to prophecy with repentance. Responding to prophecy with repentance. Now, let me remind you what we see here in the first two verses. Daniel takes his confusion, he takes his, his angst, he takes his despair, his frustration, his sickness, and he takes that to the Word of God. He looks for the answers. He's, he's talked to his friends. They prayed about it. They haven't found the answer in their discussions, but he's going to find it here. And there's a lesson there for us. Yes, we go to one another and we pray with one another. Absolutely, we don't skip that. But we need to make sure that we're back in the Word of God. When we want to discern the times that we're living in, the men of Issachar are commended by God for all of history because they understood the times they were living in and they knew what Israel was to do in their day. And we have the same challenge for us today. And the only way that we're going to be able to discern that is when we are spending time in God's Word. Daniel studied the prophecy. He studied Jeremiah chapter 25. He studied Jeremiah chapter 29. He knew that the clock was ticking on Israel's captivity. God had decreed 70 years of judgment. And the time was drawing to a close. Daniel studied the prophecy. Number two, Daniel believed the prophecy. And he took it literally. See, it's very easy for us to believe in the prophecies that God has already fulfilled. That's easy. That's the easy part. Now, it still takes faith because I've never seen Jesus. I've never put my hands in His nail-scarred hands and his nail uh, his spear piece uh, pierced side spear pierced side i've never done that so it still takes faith for us but you understand the prophecies that god gave us concerning the birth of jesus they've already been fulfilled the prophecies that he's given about the death and the resurrection of jesus they've already been fulfilled it doesn't take a tremendous amount of faith for a christian to believe in fact you can't be a christian if you don't believe those things by the way you don't believe those things, you're not truly saved. You think that Jesus just rose in some kind of spiritual, symbolic sense. My friend, you, you do not know the real Jesus. The Jesus you believe in can't save you because he's fictional. You can't be saved by a fictional character. Jesus literally physically died on a literal physical cross. He literally shed his blood in death as payment for your sin. He literally was buried. He literally rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And He ascended into heaven literally and physically. There is no tomb in Canaan where you can find the body of Jesus. It's there in heaven, alive and well, forevermore. 
But a lot of Christians who say they believe that don't believe the prophecies about the second coming. They don't want to take those literal. That takes too much faith. It takes too much faith. So we have to rationalize it. We have to, well, those prophecies, they were all fulfilled back in the first century. I don't have to worry about anything. Now, there are some who will say, well, the second coming, is, yes, that is literal. Everything else has been fulfilled. Others will go so far as to say, even the second coming has been fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Absolute, by the way, just so you hear me say it, absolute heresy. Absolute heresy to say that. Jesus is alive. We observed communion this morning because we are commanded to proclaim his death until he comes. We are to observe communion in anticipation of Jesus Christ coming back, first for his church and then coming back with his church, Revelation 19, to rule and reign over all the earth. We need to take the prophecies literally and believe them. That takes faith. That takes faith. But if I say that I believe and it doesn't change me, what good is that faith? What good is that faith? Notice also, beginning in verse 3 again, Daniel prepared for the prophecy. He, he read it. He studied it. He believed it. And then he did something about it. The study of prophecy did not make him lazy. It did not make him sit back and go, well, Jesus is coming back, so we don't really need to, we don't really need to witness. We don't really need to get the gospel out because he's, look, look, have you seen the news lately? I mean, he's coming back maybe tomorrow, if not tonight, right? I mean, so, and, and listen, I believe he is coming back soon. I don't know if, I, every, every year that we hit January 1st, I'm, I, I think, man, uh, well, it must be this year then. I thought it was going to be last year. I was sure it was going to be 2020. I was sure it was going to be 2021. I'm sure it's going to be 2022, but I'm not sure because I don't know for exactly sure when the actual day and hour is, and neither does anybody. But am I using that knowledge that he could come at any moment and responding to that prophecy with renewed passion and renewed commitment and renewed work because i don't know how much time i have even if even if uh I, even if i somehow had some kind of uh, uh temporary immortality right like a superhero <laughs> and and i thought well I, you know i'm gonna probably live forever well not if jesus comes back tonight i mean i am gonna live forever don't get me wrong i'm gonna live forever and ever and ever but thank God, not in this body, not in this body, but not in this state, not in this body as it is today. Let's put it that way. Because this body, Paul says, it's like a seed in the ground. Oh, it what comes up is from the seed, but it ain't the seed anymore. It's going to be sinless. It's going to be incorruptible. Im, uh, mortality is going to put on immortality. Death uh, will be swallowed up in victory. Daniel prepared for the prophecy, and here's how he did it, with confession and with repentance. I want to show you two things uh, specifically in these verses about how he confessed and how he repented. Number one, Daniel focused on the Lord. Daniel focused on the Lord. Prophecy should never produce 
spiritual narcissism. Spiritual self-absorption. Where we get so caught up in prophecy, and I'm sure I've been guilty of this, I'm sure I have. We get so caught up, where's America in prophecy? I'm going to try to show you. That's a little teaser. Not tonight. Where am I in prophecy? Remember what Revelation 19 tells us? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's why the Bible's so full of prophecy. Yes, it is to comfort us. And yes, it is to challenge us, but it's also it's the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the that's the heartbeat of all prophecy to show how great he is and how powerful he is and what he's going to accomplish. It's not just about my eternal life as as important as that is. I mean, it is important. Jesus did die for it. He did. He did pay for my sins so that I could live with him forever. But it's for his glory. It's for his glory. And it's for the glory of his father that he did that. And so we need to focus on the Lord as we read through these verses. Listen, to, listen again. I set verse three. I set my face unto the Lord God. Verse four. I prayed unto the Lord, my God. I said, oh, Lord, the great and dreadful God. We have sinned. Oh, Lord, verse seven. Righteousness belongeth unto thee. Verse eight. Oh, Lord, to us belongeth confusion, but Verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Daniel focused on the Lord, and any true student of prophecy, it should draw, draw us into a greater focus on the God of prophecy. Number two, Daniel focused on the Lord, but he did something also with himself. He disciplined himself with Prayer and supplication. He disciplined his spirit with prayer and supplications. That's uh, intercessory prayers we'll get to in a second. With fasting and sackcloth and ashes. All right? Prophecy should never produce spiritual narcissism. Prophecy should never produce spiritual apathy. I'm going to sit back and let God do everything. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because it is God who worketh in you to will and to accomplish his good, his good pleasure. God is at work in you so that you will do the work. God will not do for you what he's commanded you to do for him. God does not want you to sit back. You know, we joke about our, our, our son, um, Call him the little prince, you know, or little Lord Fauntleroy. Sometimes I'll, I'll refer to him because he, you know, he has his orders for mom and dad. Wait on me. Where's my commercial? Fast forward to the commercial. He knows how to do it. He doesn't want to get off his rear end and, and do it himself. And we get that way with God. And we blame God for our apathy. And we think we're spiritual. We think that we are magnifying the sovereignty of God by being lazy. Oh, God will take care of it. Yeah, that's why he put you here. That's what you're his hands and feet. Remember, I'm his hands and feet. God commands you to love your spouse. He's not going to love them for you. He will love them through you. But he's not going to love them for you. 
God commands you to discipline your kids. He'll, he'll do that through you, but he's not going to do that for you. And you don't get to sit back and blame God. Prophecy is not. Prophecy is not. God already has it all fixed, and God already got it all worked out, and we don't have to do anything. Uh-uh. That's not how Daniel reacted, and I think Daniel's an example we're supposed to follow. I think that's why it's here. Daniel said, I know what God's going to do. I better get ready for it. I better discipline my spirit. I better spend some time in prayer. I better spend some time fasting, getting my heart right. Now, there are some promises in God's word that are unconditional. God's going to do them regardless of what you do. But there are other promises that you don't get if you don't ask for. You have not because you ask not. Or you ask, but you ask amiss that you can just gratify your own selfishness and your own uh, sinful lust. And, and God uh, is a loving father. He's not going to enable your sin. Now, sometimes he will. He will say. Fine, you want to do it? Find out. Find out. You ever done that with your kids? I told you not to a hundred times. Find out yourself. Find out yourself. God will do that with us sometimes. But God does not command us to sit back and kick our feet up and relax while he does all the work. He wants to work through you. Why does God use angels to deliver these messages to Daniel? Couldn't God just tell Daniel? Couldn't the Holy Spirit just tell Daniel? Of course he could. But it's God's delight to work through his servants. God's not a computer programmer sitting up in heaven. He's not the author. He is the author of our faith, okay? He's the author and finisher of our faith. But he's not like some kind of cosmic author who has just scripted everything out. And now all the, he's just set all the dominoes up. And then in the beginning, God said, let the light hit the domino and let everything start and fall into place. Uh uh. God exists outside of time and space. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God does not experience time in the before and after the way that we do. God is interacting with us in ways that we cannot even comprehend because Ecclesiastes 3 says he has placed the world in our hearts or he has placed eternity in our hearts, but he has not given us the ability to fathom it or to comprehend infinity. That's not our job. Our job is to obey. And so as we study prophecy, it should lead us to increased levels of commitment more obedience not less more prayer not less prayer oh it's already been decided so i'm not going to pray well doesn't that sound spiritual you know the devil's a spirit too that's the spirit of antichrist spiritual that's not the spirit of the holy spirit so let's respond to prophecy with repentance now let me give you in the next few minutes some things some lessons we can learn from this prayer lessons that we can apply to our situation because we don't have a deadline the way that daniel did daniel knew that daniel knew the date jeremiah said 70 years so daniel is looking at the calendar with anticipation we don't have that we have the any moment we have the i come quickly so you better be ready at any time. So how can we apply lessons from this prayer to our lives? Let me give you a few 
lessons to learn from Daniel's powerful prayer. Number one, back in verse four. Fearfully praise God for his power, his faithfulness and his commandments. We've been talking about it on Sunday mornings. We need to give God some praise. We need to give God some praise. Praise is an expression of our worship. Praise is not a synonymous. It's a way that we worship. It's an expression of our worship. But it's also an encouragement or an exhortation to worship. It's a reminder. When I hear your praise, it's a reminder that I need to be praising. And, it, and our praise, our corporate praise together should draw us together in praise for the one who has given us every single breath that we breathe. Every single breath is a gift from God. And so Daniel responds to prophecy by praising God. God, you are all powerful. God, you are faithful even though we are faithless. God, your commands, we have rebelled against your commands, but there's nothing wrong with your commands. Your commands are for our good, not for our harm. Your commands are true. Your commands are life. Fearfully praise God for his power, his faithfulness, his commandments. Number two, we get into the supplication part, the intercession part. We need to each of us stand in the gap for those we represent. And as part of that, identify the sin against God. Now, Daniel is God's prophet. Daniel has the highest position in the empire at this time of all God's servants. Daniel has a position of political power, and more importantly, Daniel has a position of spiritual authority as one of, along with Ezekiel, as one of the primary prophets that God has sent to the nation. God sends Ezekiel to the people in the nation who are still living there. God sends Daniel to the the, the, the children of Israel who have, have been scattered as part of the scattering of God, who are living in exile. And Daniel is a representative of the people because God has made him that representative. So Daniel is speaking just like Moses spoke on behalf of the people. God is looking, friend, God is looking for intercessors. God is looking for men and women who will stand in the gap by the way, that's God's terminology from Ezekiel. God says, I'm looking for somebody to stand in the gap, and I'm not finding anybody. I'm looking for somebody, Ezekiel, in your day who's going to stand up, and they're going to stand in the gap for their family. They're going to stand in the gap for their nation. They're going to do the work of prayer and supplication and fasting. And God's looking at Israel, and he's saying, I, I'm, not seeing a, I'm not seeing a whole lot of intercessors. You remember when God went to Abraham before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? God said, I'm going to tell Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make him a great nation. So I'm going to let him in on what's going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does Abraham do? He intercedes for that pagan, wicked city. Now he had, you say, well, yeah, because his nephew was there. His nephew was like his son. Well, where do your nephews live? Where do your sons and daughters live? Where does your family live? Are we interceding for 
the people. Moses was a great prophet of God, but maybe the greatest thing that Moses ever did beyond being the lawgiver was being the intercessor. The way that he pictured Jesus Christ as the lawgiver of the old covenant, Jesus bringing the new covenant, but Moses stood in the gap between Israel and God's wrath several times. Uh, we could we could spend a lot of time reading the verses. Let me just give you one of them that summarizes this from Psalm 106, verse 23. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Now, let me read that again, because I'm not sure everybody believes that. He said that he would destroy Israel. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Why did God not destroy Israel? Because of Moses. Because of Moses. That's what God says. Moses interceded. We got to stop being passive. We got to start being prayer warriors and interceding. We, we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for godly leaders. And listen, I'm not saying we should pray for God to ignore wickedness. Uh, we could read some passages about that from the Psalms as well. We need, we need God to judge the wicked and remove the wicked from leadership so that we can have godly leadership. That's part of praying for our leaders as a group. So we need to do the hard work of prayer warfare, praying for our leaders, praying for our families, praying for our church, praying for one another, standing in the gap and not being passive about what's going to happen. Not being passive and saying, well, God's just going to do what he wants to do. Well, what God wants to do is see you intercede. That's what he says. So set your philosophy aside and just listen to him and just do what he says. And if you can't figure that how that fits with your theology, then maybe it's not God who needs to change. Amen. Maybe it's my theology that that needs to change. Stand in the gap. Number three. Recognize the inevitable consequences of rebellion against God's laws. You notice that we're in the prophetic section of Daniel, right? I mean, this is like page after page of prophecy, and yet in this section, God, the Holy Spirit, says to Daniel, slow down a minute, let's talk about everybody getting their heart right and responding to these prophecies because one of the reasons that God tells us what he is going to do is to assure us that he will judge wickedness. And the reason that we need that reassurance is because God doesn't do it on our timetable, does he? God doesn't rain down lightning and thunder the way, when we want him to. And honestly, I'm glad that he doesn't because somebody would have had God rain down fire on me at some point in my life. Because of something stupid that I did. Something wicked that I said. God is patient with us. 
And praise God for that patience. But understand that judgment is coming. And we need to recognize the inevitable consequences of rebellion against God's law. We are not under the law of Moses anymore, but we are under the law of Christ. There is a new covenant to which we are beholden. 2 Timothy says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect or mature, thoroughly furnished or thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we are under the authority of God's Word, all of it. Even though we're not under the law of Moses, we don't bring sacrifices and we don't do all the things that Moses' law required in that sense. Nevertheless, the law of Moses teaches us about the heart of God, the character of God. It teaches us about right and wrong, about what God says is wickedness and what God says is holiness. Recognize the inevitable consequences of rebellion against God. Number four, humbly petition the Lord for mercy and remind him of his promises. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Not because I'm such a wonderful sheep. Not because He gets so much wool from me. And you don't want to lose me, okay? For His name's sake. Because see... I'm not just a Richie anymore. I'm a child of God. I carry his name. I represent his family, not just my family. Not just this church family. I represent the body of Christ because I represent because I'm one of his kids. And so as part of that, I need to re- I need to remind God, "Hey God, uh, we're your kids. We're your kids." This is what you promised us. This is what you promised us. God wants you. Not because he needs to be reminded, but God wants you to remind him so that you're reminded. So that you know it. To see if you believe it. To see if you really believe. I'm not going to take the time to do it tonight, but I'd encourage you to look at Numbers chapter 14 when you get home tonight or tomorrow at some point. God is going to rain down judgment on the nation of Israel because he has led them to the promised land and they don't want to go in. Because 10 spies said there are giants in the land and we don't want to fight giants. We're grasshoppers compared to them. They're Nephilim. The Nephilim are there. You know who the Nephilim are? The Nephilim are when the sons of God mingle with the seed of, of, of men, the daughters of Adam, and create spiritual, physical monstrosities. That's your Bible. That's not fiction. And they saw it. They didn't want to go in. That was pretty scary. Two guys, Joshua, Caleb. Guys, don't you want to see God do something awesome? Don't you want to see God make the giants fall? Nah. We'll go back to Egypt. And God was so furious with their rebellion. But what did Moses do? He stood in the gap. God, remember your promises. Remember your name is on this people. 
Remember, your name is on this nation, God. And even though those people drove him crazy, drove him crazy, he prayed for them. He prayed for them. By the way, if somebody is sandpaper in your life, God must think you got some rough edges that need sanded off. I heard that somewhere. I didn't think that up. Pray for God's mercy. Remind him of his promises. Pray God's word back to him. What did Jesus say when he was tempted? It is written. It is written. It is written. Pray God's word. Pray God's word. That's what Daniel's doing here. God, remember what you have promised. Remember whose nation this is. Pray God's promises back to him. And here's the last thing as we close. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. We're going to sing a song of invitation tonight. Here's the fifth thing. Prepare for God's answer. Prepare for God's answer. Why do we study prophecy? Not to be passive. Not to be narcissistic in our spiritual lives. It's to be prepared. It's to prepare ourselves for what God is going to do. And as we pray in response to prophecy, and as we pray and intercede, we need to be expecting God to answer don't do what James 1 says. Ask God for wisdom and then go try to find it yourself. Go try to figure it. God, please help me make this decision. God, you have 30 seconds before because I waited to the last minute to pray. I've known about this for weeks, but I waited to the last minute to pray, and I've been trying to do this on my own, and now I'm all stressed out. So God, please help me make this decision. Um, you have 30 seconds, and then I'm going to just flip a coin. Don't think you're going to get an answer from God, James says. That's double-minded. We pray and then we act and believe. I, I need wisdom. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, God's going to give me the wisdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself before him. I'm going to trust him. He's going to help me make the right decision. And then I'm going to trust him with that decision. Praise God for his power. Stand in the gap for others. Remember the consequences of sin petition, humbly petition God for His mercy, pray God's promises back to Him, and then prepare for God to answer. Would you stand as we prepare to close in a time of invitation? Our deacons are coming. God, we pray that as we uh, focus our hearts now that You would hear our, uh, our hymn, our song of praise and prayer. God, I pray that our hearts would be sincere as we sing this song to You. In Jesus' name. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, 
Stay faithful. Thank you.